Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Exhale Church. My name is Pastor Alicia, and I'm so glad that you decided to join us on this morning. Go ahead, if you haven't already, and like this broadcast and share it with someone else as we are about to get into the Word of God. If you haven't already said good morning, go ahead and say good morning in the comments just so that we can know that you're here and that we can greet you as we begin this morning's worship service. Good morning. My name is Pastor Alicia. Welcome to Excel Church. You know, on April the 15th of 2019, the whole world watched in shock as the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris literally burst into flames. Thankfully, much of the cathedral's structure, including its iconic bell, its Stained glass rose windows. Start over. Good morning. My name is Pastor Alicia. Welcome to Excel Church. You know, on April the 15th of 2019, the whole world watched in shock as the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris burst into flames. Now, thankfully, much of that cathedral's structure, including its iconic bell towers, stained glass, rose windows, and priceless Christian relics all survived the blaze. In the days following the fire, their president set a five-year restoration deadline. Is it called the president? Good morning and welcome to Excel Church. My name is Pastor Alicia and I'm so glad that you were able to join us on this morning. Let's get right into the word. Now on April the 15th of 2019, the whole world watched in shock as Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris burst into flames. Now thankfully, much of the cathedral structure, 
including its iconic bell towers, stained glass rose windows, and priceless Christian relics all survived the blaze. Now, in the days following the fire, the president, Emmanuel Macron, set a five-year restoration deadline. He wanted it to be done in time for the 2024 Paris Olympics. But French officials and experts familiar with the medieval restoration work say this timeline is not realistic. And it could take about 15 to 20 years to rebuild the roof, spire, and parts of stone vaulting that fell through the main sanctuary. Though it will likely be closed to tourists for years, a flood of donations has funded reconstruction efforts and the restoration of the 12th century monument is progressing. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever built something in your life, accomplished something monumental, only to watch it later go up in flames? Have you ever taken three steps forward, it seems, just to take five steps backwards? Honestly, I have more times than I can count. I distinctly remember being a college student, and forewarning to all of you going to college, and them meeting me at the lobby of the student center with a host of companies just giving away credit cards like candy, and me not knowing better, accepting them all. And here's the crazy part, using them for just about anything. I remember the days where if I needed a washcloth that we could have gotten at Value City for $1.99, why do that when I can just use my card and buy it at Kaufman's? Yeah, it's going to cost me $5, but hey, I don't have to pay for it right now. I didn't know any better. And my credit was destroyed. And I remember graduating from college and getting my job and being so proud of digging myself out of that ditch and rebuilding my credit only to go into private practice as a, an attorney and have to start all over again when my credit crashed. I mean, went up in flames when I started learning how to balance my business. Ah! Good morning. Welcome to Excel Church. My name is Pastor Alicia, and I'm so glad that you decided to join us for this morning's worship service. Let's get right into the word. Now, on April 15, 2019, the world watched in shock as Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris burst into flames. Now, thankfully, much of the cathedral's structure, including its iconic bell towers, stained glass rose windows, and priceless Christian relics all survived that blaze. In the days following the fire, uh, the president, Macron, set a five-year restoration deadline. He wanted it to be done in time for the 2024 Paris Olympics. But French officials and experts familiar with medieval restoration work said the timeline was unrealistic. And it could take about 15 to 20 years to rebuild the roof, spire, and parts of stone vaulting that fell through the main sanctuary. Now, though it would likely be closed to tourists for years, a flood of donations funded reconstruction efforts and the restoration of this 12th century monument is progressing. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever built something in your life? Maybe not a church, but something, anything in your life. Have you ever accomplished something 
that was truly monumental, only to watch it later go up in flames? Have you ever maybe just taken three steps forwards just to look up and it feels like you took five steps backwards? If you have, you're in good company. Because honestly, I have more times than I can count. I distinctly remember being a college student and hitting the college campus and there being a swarm of credit card companies just throwing them at us like they were candy. And I remember using that credit card as a college student who was not well informed on just about anything and everything that I needed to buy because I didn't have to pay for it till later. Words of caution to our college students who are listening to this broadcast today. You don't want to do that. I was so proud of myself when I finally graduated from college and got my job and dug myself out of that ditch I had put myself in. I remember distinctly writing all the credit card companies and getting things taken off and getting things updated and getting paid in full letters reflected so that my credit could be restored. It was quite an extensive and exhaustive process. But do you know, not long after that, I wind up becoming an attorney and starting my own law practice and having to get all kind of things in place to get my business up and running. And I wind up using my credit cards all over and really not having the greatest experience again. And I can remember thinking to myself, now, how did I get in this situation again? I just, I just, just got out of it. I don't know about you, but maybe you've been in that situation before where you, you, something was ruined and you finally found it established only to find it in ruins all over again. It can be a very difficult experience. How many of you have considered the effort to rebuild, to start over, to get back on your feet from whatever it was that crumbled and just said, you know what, never mind. I don't even want to go through this effort. I remember how much it takes. I remember how much effort it took me the first time to do it. And now that it's crumbled, now that it's fallen apart, it's just going to stay that way because I just don't have it in me to do it all again. Go ahead. You can be honest. If you've ever felt that way, you know someone that's going through that, then today is the message for you. Go ahead and like it and share it if you haven't already. Go ahead and get one of your friends on the line that needs to hear this word because the message that God has for you this morning is to rebuild. Somebody go ahead and type that for me. Rebuild. There's a long list of well-known people who have lost everything and come back far stronger. I think most people know this story, but it's important for me to share it with you because it's a contemporary story and we'll get to a biblical one as well. But let's talk for a moment about Steve Jobs. Anybody heard that name before? I think so, right? Jobs co-founded Apple at the age of 21 and was worth millions by age 23. Now he recruited an experienced Fortune 500 CEO and three years later, <laughs> he fired him. Now, just to make sure you understand, the CEO that he recruited fired him. Jobs is quoted as saying, I didn't see it then, but it turned out that getting fired from Apple was the best thing that could ever happen to me. He said that in 2005. He started his second company, Next, which was ultimately acquired by Apple and Jobs became CEO again. Now fast forward, you're probably listening to this sermon or watching this sermon on an iPhone, right? Or a MacBook. Now, let's take a pivot for a moment. Drop the S off of Jobs, and what do you have? 
well, not Job, but Job. I believe you're even more familiar with this story than the other. The book of Job tells us that Job was also a wealthy man with a large family and extensive flocks. And he was blameless and upright. But in the course of one day, as you recall, Job receives four messages, each bearing separate news that his livestock, his servants, and 10 children have all died due to plundering invaders or natural catastrophes. And as if that wasn't enough, Job is then afflicted with horrible skin sores. Maybe you can identify with Job this morning in some way. Maybe you've experienced the loss of a loved one or the end of an important relationship. Maybe the loss of something that you've worked hard for, whether it's a job or some type of possession, credit score, or even a grade point average. Or are you experiencing sickness? Whether it's sickness in your body or you're struggling with sickness even in your mind or your self-image. Maybe you've contemplated, as, 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 as did Job, how wicked people seem to prosper while bad things seem to happen to good people. But then I want you to remember how God responds to Job and how he responds to this conversation that Job is having with his astute friends and how he's displeased with how they gave their well-meaning but poor and theologically unsound advice. And I wonder how he would verbally respond to the discussions that you're having right now about the situations you're going through with those around you. And while we know that Job's health is restored and he's blessed to receive more in the latter end than he had in the beginning, twice as much property, new children, daughters as beautiful as none other seen, also with inheritances, and an extremely long life, somebody ought to say, rebuild. Rebuild. Because rebuilding is the necessary step after you've lost everything that's important to you. Whether it's something that's that's considered to you to be minor, that you feel like, okay, maybe I can make it without it. Rebuilding is going to be necessary if you're going to move forward. Now, I know a lot of times, as we said, sometimes the wind is knocked out of us. Sometimes we just need a second. We're not even ready to rebuild. We just need to just sit in the moment and just think about what we've endured, what we've gone through, and how it's been challenging for us. And many of us may feel that way as we come out of this pandemic. But rebuilding is going to require each of us to go through a process that is as unique as we are to God. There are some similarities, though, and I want for us to touch on them this morning. All right. So this morning, I want us to just take a look at Three things that no matter what our scenario is, no matter what it is that we are individually going through, there's some similarities in what we're going to need to touch on in order to rebuild. Somebody say rebuild. Number one, develop a strong foundation. Somebody say that with me. Develop a strong foundation. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to the book of Psalm, chapter 127. I'm just going to read verse 1a. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that built it. Another translation says, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Think about that for a moment because no matter what it is that we're building, 
that foundation has to be solid. And oftentimes, and I don't know, just kind of think about it, be willing to be honest with yourself this morning. Oftentimes we're in a haste to build something and we're not all that concerned about the foundation that we're building it on. But as we all collectively sit here this morning and we think about whatever it is that the Lord has put on our heart that we know we're going to have to rebuild, that we know that we're not going to be able to just sit here and look at the rubble, but that we're going to have to start over again. And no matter how painful it may be, no matter how scary it may be, we're going to have to rebuild. The first thing we're going to have to do as we rebuild is look at the foundation. What is the foundation? The foundation is our relationship with God. How is that? How is it? How have we, have we learned anything in that process? You know, sometimes when things fall apart, it's easy for us to immediately go into finger pointing mode where we look at how someone else was responsible or how it was this natural catastrophe or how it was this um, worldwide pandemic or how it was the ex or how it was the boss or how it was someone else other than ourselves that is ultimately to blame for the catastrophe that followed. And that may be true, but nevertheless, I have learned that there is something in this situation that the Lord is revealing about me as well. There's, there's got to be something that you need to see that God wants to show you, whether it's just developing a stronger relationship, to developing a stronger prayer life, whether it's being able to hear from him more acutely, whether it's being able to learn how to lean on him and to depend on him, no matter what's going on around you, there's something that you can glean from the experience that will make you stronger. But you first have to be willing to explore that, to look at that, to look at the foundation before you begin to rebuild. Because what do we know? If we rebuild it without God, it is a waste. The scripture says we labor in vain. We labor in vain. And so to avoid, you know, it thinks, I always remember this image that God gave me um, a lot of times I know many of you who have children have seen something like this happen where your child has, you know, Legos or some other type of structure and they're building something and someone else just walks by and knocks it over. If you ever want to see a child, a two-year-old or a, a one-year-old absolutely lose their mind, try something like that. Try knocking over something after they have sat there and took all of their little energy to pull, put it together and to build it up. But at the same time, I imagine in my life that when I begin to build in a place or in a manner or in a way that the Holy Spirit has not led me to do so, when I began to build relationships, when I began to build, I remember even before I was um, <clears throat> willing to take my relationship with my now husband of going on 20 years, I knew after having tried this a few times in a few different ways, I said, wait a second, before we go too far, I need to know, is this what God has for me? Because I don't want to go building something up. I don't want to go investing in something. I don't want to go spending time and energy and effort in an area that God is going to say, I have not given you permission to do that. And as I've gone ahead and built it, you're just going to be frustrated because I'm going to knock it down. And so as we begin to recognize, you know what, let's kind of spare ourselves some frustration here. Let's spare ourselves some um, wasted effort. God, are you in this? And as we build that foundation, as we learn how to build our life upon God and not just go building things and doing things and not seeking the permission of the builder. You know, I think about um, <laughs> in our home, we bought a home that has like some easements in the backyard. And even though we own the home, we had to seek permission um, from the local uh, building department, as well as from our homeowners association in terms of what we can do on the land. And I think sometimes that because we own, we think we own our lives, 
um, we're grown. Can't nobody tell us anything, right? Um, we feel empowered to do whatever it is we want to do, not recognizing that our lives have been bought with a cost. And as Christians, I'm not talking about anybody else, but as believers, those who belong to the Most High God, we need to get permission. We need to get from the ultimate authority, not the local authority here in the city officials, the ultimate authority. God, is this what you would have me to do? Is this the area you would have me to go in? Is this the place you would have me to, to, to walk in, to plant, to build? Is this the relationship you would have me to sow in? And as we begin to have wisdom, and making sure that the things that we build, that we have the release from God. You know, I can't think of how many times I've watched someone having an immense amount of frustration about something that didn't go well. That if they would have just consulted God about in the beginning, they could have spared themselves some time because God could have said, no, I don't approve. And if you don't get that approval then you know not to move forward. Is this, am I ministering to anybody with this? I mean, I know this isn't pleasant to hear. I'm sure this is, <laughs> this is not exactly what you had in mind, but I'm telling you as life goes on, as time goes on and, and understanding and applying some of these very simple principles, you will find yourself being able to get to the expected end with less heartache and more expediently because you've learned how to maneuver as a Christian and how to do things in a way that glorifies God. So first, number one was develop a strong foundation. Somebody say, develop a strong foundation. Number two, though, number two, which I kind of seeped into as I was talking about number one, is seek God's will. To seek God's will. The Bible, somebody say the Bible, is our guide, our guide to how we relate to God. That's our guide, the Bible. It's our guide to how we live our life. And I don't know, sometimes we can get more caught up on things that we see that are contemporary. You know, Instagram is not our guide on how to live our life. Um, even some of the greatest art um, um, authors they're not our guide on how to live our life. Our focus has to be on God. And once we know God's will, then we can adjust our life to him. Let me say that again. Once we know God's will, we can then adjust our life to him. And I think that's where sometimes we can um, <laughs> get a little bit lost. Because instead of adjusting our life to him, if we would just be honest, sometimes we want to go ahead, make the decisions, and then whether they were right or wrong, whether they are in his will or not, then we just want him to go ahead and bless what we didn't came up with. As we say, bless our mess. We want him to, um, to, to sanction what it is we've already put in motion. And if we really want to experience God's best in our life, we've got to learn how to do it the reverse. We've got to learn how to say, you know what, God, I want your will. Um, even as we're thinking about what we're getting ready to do, even if the, the, the reality is that he might say something that we don't want to hear, but we want to hear that rather than, again, I had just made up in my life. I had been in some relationships and, you know, they, they, in comparison to some that I've seen now, they weren't all that long, but they were long enough. And I had gotten to an end of a road and I said, you know what, what would be the point of me pursuing this path just to get to the end of the road and then ask and then discover that this is not where God would have me to be. And I think that if we think about it, like sometimes we figuratively, figuratively have reached a fork in the road. Many of you may be there right now, and this is why God led you to this message where you are at a fork in the road and you can go your own way or you can go the way that the, the Lord is leading you. The Bible says the steps of a good man are what? Ordered by the Lord. So you have a choice and you can go this pathway or you can go this pathway. And I think if we're honest, sometimes we take the pathway 
that seems like it's going to be easier. Seems like um, it seems like it's going to be more enjoyable. Um, it may not necessarily be the way we feel the Lord leading us, but it seems like for all those reasons, it's the best way to go. And so we go that way and we get so far along and then we start to realize halfway down this pathway that maybe, maybe this wasn't the right path. But now we're so far along that path, we look back and we're like, well, we can't turn back now because I'd have to start all over and I don't want to start all over. And so we keep going and we keep going and we keep going until we finally hit that dead end. And once we hit that dead end, we realize we still didn't get to where we were trying to go. So we're going to go all the way back, all the way back to where that fork was and then, then go to the right path. And then by that time, we've We've lost energy. We've lost momentum. We've lost excitement. We we might even just get there and just stop and, and just never continue back on the right path because now we're just so discouraged because we're beating ourselves up that we took the wrong path. Amen. We're beating ourselves up that we went and it took us longer. So now, you know, there are people ahead of us that, that started after us. And so our minds begin to play all these tricks on us and we begin to say, you know what? It's not even worth continuing forward. Well, you know what? I want to encourage you this morning. Yes, it is. It's, it's worth it. It's worth it to get on the path. No matter how far gone you already feel that you are, no matter how many mistakes you already recognize that you made, God still has a purpose and a plan for your life. And he still desires to use you for his glory. There's still things that he wants to do through you. And you belong to him. So you have to get back up again. You have to get back on the path again. And even though it may be a little bit longer of a journey since you had somewhat of a detour, you will get there. Somebody say you will get there. Amen. But as we begin to, and I'm talking to, I'm talking to my young people this morning too, because here's the thing. You all can learn from our mistakes. You don't have to make the same mistakes that we do. You can remember this. And as you're about to make decisions and you're at a crossroads, you can remember the words that the Lord is speaking to you this morning, that the way that seems like it might be a shortcut might actually take you longer and that you should continue to learn how to make God the center of every decision that you're making. And as you're making these decisions, even when it's counterintuitive, even when it doesn't seem logical. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. We just got to train ourselves him in all things and trust that he will direct our paths and that the pathway that God has for us is going to supersede anything that we could have come up with for ourselves. I don't care what it was you were thinking about. If God has another pathway for you, it is better. Somebody say it is better. Amen. I mean, begin to, the way I used to have to um, reconcile this in my mind is that even if it looks to me in my eyesight, my eyesight is limited. There are things that I can't see. There are circumstances that I cannot predict. But my heavenly father, who knows all things, who knows the beginning from the end, who's the alpha and the omega, he is aware. He's aware of a man's heart. He's aware of a, a person's intentions. He's aware of what's going to happen to that business in the future. There are things that God knows that you just do not know. And so it is to your benefit to lean not to your understanding, amen, but to trust God and to go into whatever the direction is that he is telling us to go, even when it doesn't make sense. Somebody say that with me. Even when it doesn't make sense. Because that's where we get messed up when we get to second guessing it and thinking, I don't know about that. I don't, he couldn't mean. Yes, he did mean. That's exactly what he meant. Go, trust, follow the path. And so as we do that, our rebuilding efforts will be so much more fruitful. I want you to uh, consider uh, John chapter 5, verse 17, as well as verses 19 through 20. If you're there, um, take you a second. John chapter 5, verses 17, and then I'm going to skip to verses 19 through 20. And it says, but Jesus answered them. My father worketh hitherto, 
and I work. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. Did you catch that? For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. Here's what I want you to catch as we move on to our third and final point. One of the things that I think took me a very long time as a Christian to understand and that I hope that as you're listening this morning, especially my young people, that you will catch this right off, um, that you will be able to understand this at the very outset of your walk with the Lord. A servant of a human master works for his master. Um, and so I think that when we become servants of Christ, we oftentimes think, okay, let me find out what God's will is, and then I'm going to go do it. Um, so we feel like we're going to go get the instructions and then run off and do it for our father, do it for our master. But what you will discover as you grow in God, as you walk with God, is that it's a little bit different than serving a human master. When we serve God, he works through his servants. So it's not so much as we work for as much as he works through. And so when you come to that recognition that he's working through us, it changes the, um, the responsibility that you have. Because I think that for me, at least at first, I thought my responsibility was to figure everything out and then go do it figure out where he wants me to be, figure out what he wants me to do and then go do it for him. And in and, and, and retrospect, and what I, I want you to catch this morning is all you have to do is stay in his will and he will do it through you. You don't have to figure out what God wants. You just need to stay in his will. You need to stay submitted to him. You need to stay subservient to him so that as he's working, he can work through you. He can do whatever he wants to do. And a lot of times when he's working through you, you don't even know the plan until the plan is complete. And you're like, oh, so it's not always that, which for some of us, we have a hard time with. It's not always that he's going to give you the, the blueprint and say, okay, this is what we're up to. We're going to go here. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And if you're looking for that, if you're expecting that, then you can begin become very frustrated and very disappointed because you, you want to know, well, what's the plan? What are we doing? Why are we going this way? How come we didn't go that way? That way was shorter. My friend went this way. Why I got to go this way? And so we become disgruntled. We become concerned. We become rebellious if we don't understand. And so if we come to the point where we understand that we're not going to understand, we're, he's working through us. And many times when God is working through us, sometimes he's speaking through you. You don't even know he's speaking through you, that the person who's receiving it is getting something and you don't know they're getting something. Sometimes you're, you're working and your work feels fruitless and it feels like you're not accomplishing anything, but God is working through you and is, is speaking to someone that you don't even know is being impacted. So that time where you have that temptation not to rebuild, that temptation to quit, the temptation not to keep going, it's, it's, it's important for you to understand that you don't have that choice. God is working through you. And even though you may not see the impact, even though you may not see the results, um, you know, you can't give up. You can't quit because there's a work that God is doing through you. Somebody said you have to rebuild. You have to rebuild. You have to rebuild. So um, that, yes, you had a moment to wallow in your sorrows. Yes, you had a moment to, to, to lament the loss. Yes, you had a moment that you are allowed to just grieve and to regroup. But then there comes a moment. And that moment is today where you get back up again and you say, okay, Lord, I'm ready to continue my journey. 
take me to the next step. Show me how to rebuild. I know I feel like I've lost something, but if, I, if you allow it to leave my life, I know you have a plan on how you're going to help me to recoup it, to recover it, and to give me double for my trouble. Number three and number final point as we're closing. Number three, give God the glory. Okay, give God the glory. Um, I think that this piece of rebuilding is so key. Um, and I don't think we often see the harm that we cause when we don't follow this third point in our journey. Um, but let's just kind of make it practical for a second. If you're in school, what happens in school if you submit a paper um, with somebody else's work as your own? Copy, paste, you went to Google, you, you found something, it's not yours, you didn't think of it on your own, and you submit it as your own work, and your, your teacher finds out, you fail, right? Uh, it's not yours. Um, God says, for my own sake, for my own sake, I do this. How can I let myself be defamed? I will not yield my glory to another. That's what God says in Isaiah chapter 48, verse 11. And, and I need you to catch this. God will not give his glory to another. Somebody say that. He won't give his glory to another because all glory, all honor, all praise belong to him. Amen. He will not allow his works to be attributed to a false God, which is nothing at all in the world. So we as humans have to understand that. And I think this is a huge pitfall for us is um, to build, to accomplish anything and to take God's glory. Um, I remember when I passed the bar exam and I knew that it was God and God alone that had allowed me to pass the exam. Um, some thought it strange. Some thought it probably inappropriate in a professional workplace. But in my law office, in my law firm, where I was the only African-American and the youngest person in the firm, on my door, it said, glory be to God, I passed the bar exam. And it was it was in part because people kept popping in my office all day. One, no, did you pass? Did you pass? Did you pass? And, you know, I was busy and I still had to, you know, get my billable hours in. So in part, I was putting it on my door that I passed so that people would know I passed and they didn't have to keep asking me. But I had to put the glory be to God piece because it was important for me not to take his glory. It was important for me that I not present anything that I had done as if it was in my own strength or my own abilities, but that it was clear to me and to anyone that I communicated with that I gave God the glory for this, that I give him the credit for this. And I think that somewhere along our lives, um, and maybe it's cultural, we begin to boast in ourselves and we begin to um, want people to think highly of us. So when we accomplish something or when we do something, we tend to um, want to receive the credit, the glory, the honor. And it's, it's, it's as if we are, it's an arrogant way of saying, you didn't do anything. You, you don't have a hand in this, God. And so we've got to correct ourselves that, okay, unless you want to see that little Lego tower come tumbling down again, <laughs> come on, somebody, we've got to learn how things work in the kingdom. And so we started off by building on a solid foundation. And as we were building, we were allowing the Lord to lead us and guide us so that what we were building would be something that would glorify him. And now that it is built, now that it is standing, now that it's something that we're all proud of, now we give him the glory. All right. So we will not take credit for what he does, as if it were our own skill, as if it were our own wisdom and our own power that deserve the praise. All right. And it's something that, you know, I, I remember somebody had done something, a stranger 
had done something very kind for me and I was very thankful and I thanked I did thank him several times but I must have also thanked Jesus more times than he wanted me to because I was saying thank you Jesus thank you Jesus and the guy said I didn't know my name was Jesus and I thought to myself, oh, Lord, he didn't put himself in a scenario that he really don't want to be in. Yes, you want to be thanked and you want to be appreciated. But ultimately, God gets my praise. God gets the glory because I know that whatever it is you did, God caused you to do it. Whatever it is that you have God has allowed you to have it. And so you still give him the praise, even though your boss may be that person who God used to give it to you. Maybe those, that stranger may be the person that was in position and God caused to bless you. Ultimately, your blessing came from the Lord. And so you give him the praise. You don't make the mistake of putting that person in the position of being your God. You don't make the mistake of um, praising that person and above, over and above the honor and the glory that belongs to God. Amen. All right. All right. So just like we know, it would be immoral for someone to take credit for something he or she didn't do whether it's cheating on a test or plagiarizing a book, stealing valor by posing as, as a military veteran, um, stealing valor by taking credit for what God has done it is, is on another level that you don't want to experience. Um, I'm thinking even as um, we're closing of various people in the Bible who have have learned that the hard way. And I know that we're running out of time this morning, but I just want to make sure that as we close, that you understand the, the, the detriment, but also the blessing, the blessing of giving God glory. When we glorify God, when we glorify our father that is in heaven, when he, we give him the credit that he is due, do you understand the impact that that has on other souls where they begin to see, you know, sometimes I can think about life and I can think about people who I don't even realize are following me sometimes on social media because they don't normally comment. And I remember I had something recent in my life, a, a milestone for one of my children and some people commented. I thought, oh my goodness, I didn't even know you were still following me. I haven't heard from you or seen from you in, in years. And then I looked back at my other post and I said, look at God, the way that I have been sharing the gospel, the way that I have been sharing what God has done in my life, the way that they have seen over the years, the way God has moved and how I give him the glory and I give him the honor and the credit for everything that has happened. They've seen all that too. They just didn't comment on that. So you just don't know how God is using you, how your restoration process, how the people who saw your life go down in flames, the people who saw that relationship that burnt you, the people who knew how you were out on a limb, hanging by a thread. And then when God rebuilds, when you get back to on your feet and you begin to move in the direction that God has for you and you begin to receive the blessings and you begin to look back over your life and you see that God not only restored you, but he gave you double out of your faith and out of your obedience to continue to walk with him and continue to trust him. You just don't know how that blesses another as they look and they see, wait a second, what God did for her, what God did for him. He's not a respecter of persons. He can do for me. And so you give him that glory so that you give someone else the hope and the confidence that as they follow God, that God is able to do the same thing in their lives as well. Amen. Amen. I'm out of time, but I thank you so much for joining me on this morning. And next week, we're going to be starting a brand new sermon series. So I pray that you will enjoy it. Join us next week. And I pray that you enjoy this morning's message. Have a wonderful Memorial Day. Stay safe. <sighs>